0: Welcome to a talk from St. Saviour's Summary. We hope you are really blessed by hearing it. So yes, Isaiah. Um, Slightly terrifying to be told that I'm going to be speaking on 66 of what up until now have been some of the hardest chapters of the Bible for me to read. but, as Ron said, we are, if you've been keeping up with the plan, we've finished chapter 44, which means that we are two-thirds of the way through the book. And also, since today is day 119 of 358 in the plan, you're also one-third of the way, more or less, through the entire plan. So if you've been keeping up, well done. And if you haven't, it's never too late to start. Um, Perfect, and, <laughs> I I know some people find it hard to keep up with things like a a Bible and a year plan. Sometimes there's three, four, five chapters. A couple of days there have been 10, 20 chapters, I think, once. Um, So I would just encourage you, if you're not keeping up, just find a pace that you can keep to because reading something is better than nothing. Um, But if you haven't been keeping up, then hopefully a quick walkthrough through some of Isaiah will help you catch up tonight. Um, So, Isaiah um, is the first of the books of the prophets. Up until now, we've mostly been reading histories, um, which immediately begs the question, what is prophecy? What do you think of when you hear the word prophecy? Um, I don't know about you, but for me, it tends to conjure up an image of prediction of something that's looking towards the future. It's almost synonymous with with that prediction. You have the picture of people slaughtering animals and looking at entrails and all of this sort of begging divine inspiration for the gods. What's gonna happen tomorrow? Will I succeed in my battle tomorrow? Um, And yes, there is that element to prophecy, but prophecy is more than just looking to the future. Prophecy is also, um, as it was defined in the OED, um, the Oxford English Dictionary, an expression of the thought the will or the words of God. So when Isaiah is, as a prophet is speaking prophecy, yes, he'll be, he's, he'll be speaking about the future, but he's also speaking the words of God. And that's his primary focus, is to communicate the thoughts, the will of God to the people that he's speaking to. And um, he tells us a little bit um, about his call um, in chapter six. Um, Ron's already quoted. Um, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips. That's his response when he, he sees God on his throne. That is the response to a holy God. Woe is me, for I am lost. But he's not left in that place of despair and dismay. An angel comes and takes coals from the altar, touches his lips, and he's purified, he's made clean. His guilt is taken away and his sin atoned for. So we start with this comparison between a holy God that brings a response of despair and atonement. And then straight off the back of that, God tells Isaiah what his calling is going to be. Starting in verse 9, we hear, Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy, and blind their eyes lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. This is not the happiest of messages. We've already sung tonight of when God calls, we won't refuse, when God calls, we won't delay. I'm pretty sure at this point, I would have wanted to refuse or delay the call of God. Um, So having already agreed to this before he even heard what he was doing, um, I don't think it's unfair that he asks how long and the response that comes is this, until cities lie waste, until the land is a desolate waste, until the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. I mean I guess at least he knows from the outset that he's going to be speaking a hard message that people aren't going to respond to and he will be doing this for a long time. (laughs) That's the good news. Um, And uh, if we skip all the way back to Isaiah 1, he actually tells us how long he prophesies for. We have the names of four kings in this first verse. Isaiah, Jotham, Ahaz and Hezekiah. These are all kings of Judah, and their, their times are, are chronicled in the book of Kings. Isaiah and Jotham both reign for 16 years. Ahaz reigns for 29 years. Sorry, other way around. Jotham and Ahaz reigned for 16 years. Hezekiah reigns for 29 years. So that's a span of at least 61 years that Isaiah is speaking this message. And the whole book, echoes this up and down. I tried to plot it on a graph and it looks more like a barcode than a plot. This is me trying to figure out whether a verse is encouraging or discouraging, speaking words of encouragement and blessing, speaking words of destruction, judgment, very practical mindset and it's all over the place. So. How do we deal with that? How do we respond to that? Well, the first thing to note is that Isaiah's message is urgent. He's given this message of judgment for Israel and its neighbors. Um, It's around chapter 13, and it goes on for about 10 chapters. You have just chapter after chapter of judgment against nations, and they're specific judgments. It's not like this is a general calamity that's going to happen. There's a specific word. But it's all for a purpose. And in Isaiah 9, we have this refrain. For all this, his anger has not turned away and his hand is stretched out still. And we have an answer to why this keeps happening. The people did not turn to him who struck them, nor inquire of the Lord of hosts. God is doing all of this to get the attention of the people, to bring them back to him, to call them back to himself. We have a word for this. It's called repentance, turning away from the things that we're pursuing, turning towards God, turning and being healed. And there's a second thought that I had as well. What if rather than being unnatural rather than being strange this up and down this balancing act it's actually all part of the plan it's all perfectly natural Um, isaiah 65 is echoed in revelation 21 and it speaks of a new heavens and a new earth there's a promise of something good to come but for something new to come something has to end There are trees, I can't remember which species it is, but there are trees somewhere in America that the seed drops, and it can lie dormant for hundreds of years, and the seed only germinates, only starts to grow when there's a fire. So you have a fire, and it it destroys forests, leaves ash behind, but that ash is a fertile place, the perfect place for new growth, new life, and these seeds find a thriving new land where, with no competition because everything else is gone, and they grow. So that's two thoughts. But what about the, the, the obvious thought? How do, we, how do we cope with these constant messages of destruction? There's almost discouragement. You come away from reading the first half or the first two-thirds of Isaiah and you can feel a little bit down about it. But all the way through, there are encouragements, there are promises, there is hope. I'm going to flick through a few passages quite quickly now just to give you an idea of what I'm talking about. Isaiah 77, verse 14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. This is a promise that God gives because a king refuses to challenge God to ask for a sign. So God himself offers one. How about in Isaiah 9 verse 2? The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. Or at chapter 11 verses 1 and 2, there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, And a branch from his roots shall bear fruit, and the Spirit of the Lord shall rest on him. I'm going to skip a couple in my notes and jump to chapter 42, verse 1. Behold my servant whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him, and he will bring forth justice to the nations. And if you skip to verse 3, a faintly burning wick he will not quench, but he will faithfully bring forth justice. Promises of light and of life, of hope in a place of darkness. For those of us who are familiar with the New Testament, a lot of these scriptures will be resonating of Jesus. And that's exactly who Isaiah is talking about. 700 years, in fact, before Jesus comes into the world. Isaiah is speaking about Jesus. And Jesus himself links us to Isaiah in, the, in Luke's gospel, one of the stories of Jesus' time with us on earth. Um, we have the story of his baptism and of him being sent out into the wilderness. And then the first thing he does when he returns from the wilderness is he goes into um, he goes into the synagogue. Um, I can't remember the name of the place, but the place where they held the teaching each week. And um, he's given the scroll of Isaiah, and he reads from Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is the Jesus that we know. This is the Jesus we've been singing about tonight, the Jesus who sets captives free, who brings freedom to the enslaved. He links himself with Isaiah. He is the light of the world, as John says. And as we receive Jesus, so too we become bearers of the light of Jesus. In Acts 13, Paul and Barnabas quote Isaiah 41, They say, behold, we are turning to the Gentiles for the Lord has commanded us saying, and this is the quote from Isaiah, I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And what is their response? They receive it with joy and they believe. And if Paul can claim it, then so can we claim it, because in Ephesians, we're told There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. We share the same faith as Paul and Barnabas. We share the same hope. We bear that same light of Jesus in us. That is the light that we shine to the world. I could go on. There are so many more examples but I know time is short. So I'm going to skip to Isaiah 55. That, by the way, is what you see if you do a Google search for Isaiah. (laughs) Um, So Isaiah 55. Um, I'm not gonna read the whole thing. I would love to, but I know we're drawing short of time. So I'm gonna draw out three final thoughts from Isaiah 55, this final chapter that I love. Verse one, come everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. and I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. I'm gonna pause there for a moment because this chapter opens with an invitation and it's an invitation that's open to all, there are no restrictions placed on it. It's an invitation to come, to buy without money. So having money is not the issue. Come, buy, eat. Wine and milk, food and drink, everything that we need to live is on offer freely. This is what the Christian faith should be. Unrestricted, desirable, sustaining, delightful. Our reality is that life isn't perfect. Isaiah knew that life wasn't perfect. He had a hard message. He spoke a hard message for a long time. In Isaiah 3, there is one. In Isaiah 20, there is one verse that even says that he went around naked and barefoot for three years. That three-year period gets one verse, and in entire 66 chapter book. This is not an easy message, but it is a good message, and it is a message with hope and an invitation. Second, I'll skip to verse six. Verse 6 reads, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that that he may have compassion on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. The judgments that Isaiah proclaimed weren't primarily about destruction. They weren't Warnings, they weren't even preludes to some replacement that would be coming, this new heavens and new earth. They were a call, a sign of God's call to everyone. And here it is again, a call to return to the Lord that he may have compassion. A call to God, from God, for he will abundantly pardon those who return to him. Finally, I also believe that there is purpose in this chapter. Skip to verse 12, the very last two verses. Uh, No, go back two verses. Verse 10, verses 10 and 11. For as the rain and snow come down from heaven, do not return there but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth it shall not return to me empty but it shall accomplish that which i purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which i sent it that's god's voice speaking there in case you were wondering and he promises that when he speaks his word has purpose and that that purpose succeeds it's achieved Of course, from our perspective, Jesus is the primary realization of the Word of God. And the success of Jesus is the cross. Jesus dying for our sakes, to redeem our sins, to pay the price that we should pay but no longer have to because the blood of the perfect Passover lamb has been shed. And we stand accepted before God, atoned. Our sins are atoned for, our guilt, we're released from our guilt. That's exactly what Isaiah said when he was called, that the coal took away his guilt and atoned for his sin. And that is the same promise that we have in Jesus now. But also more practically, those words are an encouragement that when God speaks a promise, that promise will stand. Isaiah spoke for 70 years, he probably didn't see much of a response to his words. But he gave us some of the most encouraging words of the Bible. And the whole book of Isaiah points us straight back to Jesus. So what can you take away from you tonight, from, from tonight? What can you take away from the book of Isaiah? Well, I've, I've drawn out three things from this, law, this chapter. Um, There's an invitation for everyone, for you or for someone you know. If you haven't responded to that invitation, what is stopping you tonight? And if you have responded to that invitation, is there anyone that you need to pass that invitation on to? Secondly, there's a call, there's a call to repent. I know in my life that there are things that keep dragging me down And there are things that I never get round to somehow. Are there things tonight that God is saying, let go of this? Are there things tonight that God is saying, pick this up. This is from me. I want you to do this. Finally, purpose, encouragement, promise. What is your perspective of God? Do you think God can still surprise you? However long you have been with God, there is still more to discover. Do you know and believe God's word? Jesus won. Jesus has the victory. So claim it tonight. For more information please go to www.stsaviorsanbury.org.uk